Good morning. How you doing? Good. How are you? <clears throat> uh, I'm doing well. Today's a big day. It's big? Yeah, for, for you and me. Oh, because we're back recording? Yeah, it's been like two months. Yeah, it's been a while. Things have changed. I was away in Canada for one month. Yep. What were you doing in Canada? Um, I was doing a residency working on a video game that I'm making. <clears throat> Is it a Pac-Man ripoff? Yeah, it's called uh, Mrs. Pac-Man uh, 3. <laughs> that sounds less like a ripoff and more like a sequel. Um, I've definitely ripped off the uh, uh, the name and the assets of which I have no legal right to use. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I think it classifies as a ripoff. Uh, yeah, in that regard, I guess so. Um do you want to do you want to discuss, discuss what it actually is? Are we talking about personal projects? Oh, are we not supposed to? Oh, yes, we are. I think I was just checking. There's the noise of birdsong from your end. Oh yeah, I uh, I have birds that live outside of my home. Is your window open? No. Oh, nice. Uh, no, the, the birds is very close. It's a nice noise. Um, I guess that we started this in the winter, the middle of winter. Yeah. So there were no birds. Just uh -uh. just weed whacking. Yeah, winter weed whacking. Yeah, well, uh the project that I'm working on is uh a narrative video game about the deaths of my mother and grandmother. Go on. Uh, <laughs> I mean <laughs> <laughs> hooked hooked yet? Um <laughs> I'm in. Um it's in the style of, you know, your uh angry birds. Your Candy Crush. Sure. Okay, so it's a narrative It's a narrative video game about the death of your mother and grandmother. Uh, yes. So they, uh, they both died in the winter of 2017. Um, my mother had cancer, and I was back in the UK for eight months, and I was caring for her while she was going through a final round of chemotherapy. Uh, it didn't work, and she died in the December. And then my only other remaining family member was my grandmother, her mother, and um, and then she died a couple of weeks later after having a fall in her house. Uh, that's pretty rough. Do you uh, do you commemorate the, the anniversary of their deaths? It's only been a year. Yeah, there's only been one one anniversary for each of them um yeah i mean i uh um i commemorated them by feeling extra sad on those days <laughs> <laughs> nice nice as as opposed to the usual amount of sadness that you feel any other day yeah i mean there's normally just you know this um um eternal lingering sadness that will never go away but on those days in particular yeah i uh um, i really yeah. dug in you, re you really dial it up right um, well, we have something that, that, uh, made you happy. Mm -hmm. Oh, we did. And that was, that was the, uh, real life in person, uh, lion that I did to you. Lion? We did lion. lines together? Oh, lion. <laughs> we can't talk about that. Right, right, right. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. We had, uh, the, the first annual liars podcast meet and greet in, in Los Angeles, California. Right. <laughs> and there were about uh eight people that showed up i think there were like 25 or 30 people 
whatever. Two days after I got back from my uh, my month long solo residency in the Canadian mountains, then it was my birthday, and my uh, my wife had arranged a surprise party for me. Um, it was a big year. I was twenty five. I looked twenty two, but it was twenty five. That's a big deal. It's huge. A quarter of a century. Who would have thought? At, at 25, you've been old enough to rent a car for one year. Uh, yes. And I've been renting them out every day. Every day, a new car. And I just take it on a road trip across uh, these United States. That's amazing. <clears throat> um, yeah. So we had, um, I had a surprise party in my house in Los Angeles. And one of the surprise guests was you. But it wasn't that big of a surprise because you knew that I was in Los Angeles already. I would think I would think I was the least surprising guest that would have been there. <laughs> it's minus other than like your wife. Right. Well, I mean, yes. So uh you you had set me up with the ruse that you were were coming down to LA for work and and you would still be in town for the weekend when I got back from Canada and we should meet up. And so we hung out in the afternoon. Uh, and then you had to leave to get your flight back. And you believed me. And then I believed you. And then I went back to my house. Um, I was not even trying to gauge whether uh, you were lying or not. Yeah. Um, I got back to the house and then, uh, boom, there's all of my friends uh, who I had not seen it um, in a month. So it was very overwhelming. And yeah, um, and John Adams was, was in amongst the pack. I was. And you you had that's a good point, because you had been away for a month living in relative isolation. Yeah. And then and then suddenly everyone you know, not everyone, but you know, a large number are just in your home. Yes. It was it was a lot. Did you feel did you feel happy? When I saw them? Yeah. Um it's still hard for me to really um appreciate that people would be there for me, you know? <laughs> right, yeah. Very low self esteem. Uh sure. Yeah, we've talked about this. I mean, here's the the the, the reality is that, and I'll and I'll just I, I should tell you now before this comes out elsewhere, uh, it wasn't actually a surprise party for you, <laughs> uh, and it was the party was supposed to be over by the time you got back. You came home early. It was a little bit awkward, so it was it was your wife's idea. Let's pretend this is for Russell. Yeah, like she had forgotten uh, that it was even my birthday. I think she did. Yeah, um, I was just having a party. Uh, you had agreed that you would drop out to keep me away from the house. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you're like fine. I can distract him um, as yeah. long as I can call him for like the last hour because that's when it really gets going. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, but then I came home. Yeah, like 20 minutes early, and then uh, yeah, you all had to stick around for a while. Because for from from my perspective, it seemed. I don't know that you seemed at that moment when you realized that everybody was there for you and everyone's singing for you, you seemed a little bit like you were backed into a corner from my perspective. Um, I had just walked through the door and I was kind of in the corner of the room. <laughs> so you admit that you were backed into a corner. I mean, physically, my back was facing a corner. Yes. Yeah, that's all I meant. Right. Yes. You're, uh, you're very observant. Uh, it was mostly just a question about the architecture of your home. Right. <laughs> Um, I can give you a floor plan if you need it. Please do, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was um, it was very nice. Uh, it was a little um, overwhelming because, as you said, I had been kind of feral and unsocialized for a month. Uh, <laughs> but it was a joyous way to be welcomed back into the world. Nice. That's wonderful. But 
It did kind of turn into a podcast meet and greet. <laughs> and as most of the people there are friends that I have made. As a result of this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> in Los Angeles, where I've been living for the last three years. Yeah. Uh, and you live in San Francisco. So you're like a, yeah, like a friend from my past who um, I rarely even think about these days. Sure, yeah. I mean, as like most of our listeners that we have are probably just our friends. Um, I don't think we have breached the uh, the fame gap into just uh, complete strangers stumbling across our podcast yet. But I think that's I think that's going to change soon. I feel, I can feel it. I mean, this episode is uh, is baller. Yes. Yeah. So many people there had never met you. That's right. Yeah. Because those two worlds had not crossed. Yeah. And as the evening. As the evening progressed, then people would come up to me and say, wait, is that, is that John from the podcast? We, uh, we kind of recognize his voice, but it's not as low. As when I was deathly ill. Right. It's not as low and velvety yeah. as it seems um, in the recordings, which I put down to my, uh, your sickness and my post-production skills. Yeah, because you apply like a Barry White filter to my voice, right? Because in person, it's, it's high and squeaky and... Uh, it's unbearable, really. And then like the other big disconnect that people had was trying to reconcile your physical form with how your voice sounds on the podcast. Because my voice sounds very handsome, and I myself am just a, sort of a grotesque mess of a man. Right. Uh, I would say withered. Uh, yeah, there are a lot of words that could describe me, but withered is definitely one of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like all night people would come up to me. They were kind of forgetting uh, that it was my birthday, and it was you know my my special day. Um, and then they were trying to gauge out, um, like if it was okay for them to go and approach you and talk to you. Yeah. Uh, I got a lot of autograph requests that night. Right. Yeah. The, uh, yeah, the podcast was, was the biggest theme of the evening. Would you say that the podcast completely overshadowed your birthday? Um, I think definitely after the initial surprise, then people just put me out of their minds. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but this, so this, this episode is a new episode. We have something new in this episode that we haven't had before. The bird song? Well, there's that. But there's also the theme song. Oh, the theme song. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so Which... while I was... <laughs> I had tried to put that out of my mind completely. I know that you had because you hate the theme song. I don't hate it. I... Wait. No, it's fine. It's middling. Just... Yeah, well, maybe you can tell the, uh, the backstory. I mean, this theme song has been promised for the last couple of episodes, I think. Uh, I don't know. I don't listen to the podcast. But... Uh, it has been, it's, I think the reason that you, you're not as enamored of it as I am is because, uh, the woman singing the theme song has a British accent. I, I sought that out thinking that it would make you feel comfortable and at home, but because you want to sort of forget your past so badly, anything British reminds you of that. That's what I, that's my assumption. I don't know. You tell me why you, why you don't like it. Yeah. I mean, that does dig into um, a deeper issue that I have, which is um, when you move to a different country and you establish a life there, uh, you tend to go through most days after a while um, in feeling like you mostly fit in. Mm -hmm. I am a citizen of the US now, even. Uh, yeah. So I am technically American as well. Yeah, I mean, you forget like the uh, like the things that stand out about you uh, that make you not fit. And I mean, I'm uh, I'm a white European male, so many 
many things are in my favor for uh, for, sure. for not being noticed. But the uh, yeah, the British accent is um, is a thing that stands out, and it's nearly always positive in a way that people they think that um, it implies something, and they are eager to talk to you. But it does become this like weird othering, and I definitely have uh, this thing where like I'm just like going about my day, and then I will overhear uh, like somebody else talking in a British accent. And then it suddenly uh, reminds me that, yeah, that I'm different. So you hate the theme song because you hate yourself. I mean, everything comes back to that eventually. Yeah, yeah that's what it sounds like. Um, it's also a big reason why I, um, I cannot get into Game of Thrones. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> because I don't, I've never seen Game of Thrones, so I don't really know. Yeah, um, I've tried a number of times. And I mean, let's not get into this because it will... Uh, uh, or raise questions and thoughts and emails. Uh, yeah, I mean, I um, like I think that it uh, that it must be a good show, and that I'm just in the wrong. But um, I feel like there's a lot of like TV shows that have British accents, and I think to an American audience, those accents uh, can like uh, uh, they can increase the perceived quality of the show by like ten percent. Right, so, right, right. Right. So if a show like isn't that great, or it's like middling, then like the presence of British accents will make an American audience think that it's um, like a little bit better than it is. Whereas, um, I think for like a British audience overseas, it like removes ten percent. Uh, would you consider Faulty Towers to be in this category of shows that people just loved because of the British accent? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> probably. And Benny, Benny Hill as well. Yeah, I mean, like I wasn't in the U.S. when those oh, you shows. Should have been. You should have been. <laughs> right. Americans it was a great, love those shows. It was a great time. Yeah, I mean, those shows have their merits, but yeah, but I'm sure that yeah that they were perceived in a slightly better way here because of the accents. Yeah. Um, should we then? Should we go ahead and listen to the theme song? Yeah, let's go back to this. It's not. It's not that that accent is bad. It's just. It's fine. <laughs> It's good. I love it. Uh, thank you for doing it. And um, I heard that it cost you a lot of money. So thank you for that. Yeah, I really uh, put myself uh, put myself out there with this. When they say Fiverr.com, they mean uh, like $500, right? Uh, that's what I assume they mean because that's what I paid for it. It was a $500, $500 uh, song. Perfect. Are you playing it or are you just expecting me to, <laughs> uh, to cut it in at this point? <laughs> I'm just playing it in my head, but yeah, you should cut oh, it in. All right, okay. Russell and John tell stories. Russell and John tell lies. They use their mouths and they use their ears. And usually no one cries. Well... Let's review that theme song that I can hardly remember because we haven't just heard it. <laughs> um, so what do you think? Did you like that? Yeah, it was great. Now that you've heard it a second time? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Should we move on to the actual episode? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so. Um, is it me first this week? I think that you went first last time. Uh, you can go first if you want, sure. And to clarify, uh, the episode that came out a few weeks ago, we had pre-recorded before I went to Canada. We did, yeah. Uh, that's the episode where we're both assholes. Both big jerks. 
Yeah. Okay, so <clears throat> I think it's me first. Yes. I was arrested and held in jail overnight when I was 13. Uh, I find this hard to believe already, but uh, let's assume that it's, that it's real. Uh, um, I think that that is your reaction to every story that I have. Yeah. And then they all turn out to be true. I mean, the, the, the fact of the matter is I don't, I can't really picture you doing anything outside of your home ever. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Okay. 13 years old. What were you arrested for? Well, I did find out eventually, but I did not know what it was when I was arrested. Okay. Do you want to tell me what you found out it was or? Sure. Um, yeah, uh, they thought that I had stabbed somebody. Uh, as in murdered or just like a casual walking past someone and stabbed them and kept going or what? Yeah, not a murder, just a uh, um, a casual stabbing in the leg uh, <clears throat> with a, um, a, like a small kitchen knife. Okay, so where did they arrest you? At my school. So they came into your school. You're sitting in school in the middle of class wearing your little schoolboy uniform <laughs> and, the, and the cops came in? It was, it was, it was in, uh, my secondary school, okay. uh, which in the UK is between the ages of 11 and 16. Okay. Um, and I was 11. So it was the, the first year. Wait, I thought you said you were 13. I did. <laughs> I think this is a lie. Wait, no, I was, <laughs> I was 11. It was the, it was the first year. Uh-huh. <laughs> This story sounds super believable. Uh, let's let's continue. Let's see what else this uh, story turns up. Okay, so, so you're not, you're you're somewhere between eleven and thirteen, and the cops come to your school. Yeah, um, yeah. It was um, it was the first year of secondary school. I was eleven. I was wrong. Okay. I was eleven. Okay. And we were in assembly. You have assemblies here, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, so we were in assembly. It was the whole of the year, the first year of secondary school. Okay. So, yeah, there were like seven classes of kids, um, like 30 or 40 kids in each class. So a big hall of people. Um, and we had the assembly. Uh, there were some vaguely, uh, some Christian Church of England hymns and songs. And then at the end, then... Uh, the head of the year um, announced that the the police were here to speak to us, and uh, they came up on stage and said that they would have to interview some people. And everyone who had blonde hair and blue eyes should stay behind. Okay. They walked through uh, the the kids, um, and they made sure that uh, that everybody with blonde hair and blue eyes stayed behind. Okay. And how many, how many kids was that? Um, I think there was maybe like 25 to 35. Okay. And then how did they narrow it down to you? They said, anybody with a beard stay behind. <laughs> um, I did not have a beard then. Oh, okay. <clears throat> yeah, uh, they narrowed it down. Well, they, uh, they took away four of us who, who fitted a description that they had that they did not share with us. So I guess there may have been, you know, uh, some other identifying marks, heights, weights. Yeah. And then they took us away to the local police station in Cheltenham. And did, so, so did all four of you spend the night in the jail? No, they let, 
how they let two of us go, and then two of us were were kept in jail. Who was the other kid? Uh, Stephen Collins. Stephen Collins. That kid. Now I believe that he stabbed somebody. <laughs> yeah, uh, he was not. He was in my year, but not in my class. Was your Was your mom called? Yes. Yeah, like legally, um, a minor's um, a minor's parents have to be called, or their guardian, or whatever. Who was the victim in this scenario? Uh, the victim was another kid from a different school. And where had the stabbing occurred? The stabbing had, in, um, had incurred in the town center in Cheltenham. Just in the middle, of, like at the, where the fountain is? <laughs> where the fountain is? There is a fountain there. How did you know? Yeah, I did a lot of research uh, on your town. Are you just Googling the town center to see locations where, uh, where one may have been stabbed? I was actually looking for a place to stab someone myself, <laughs> and I thought near a fountain would be good because I could wash my hands off quickly. Oh, right. Yeah, no, that's good. Uh, yeah, no, to be clear, um, I, had not, I had not done this stabbing. I assumed you hadn't done the stabbing. It was a case of mistaken identity. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so how was it revealed that you, in fact, were not the stabber? Uh, to me? I mean, I assumed that I was not from, uh, from the start, but I was terrified by the whole thing. Um, yeah, so, yeah, they took us down to the station and they did the, the booking process. Um, it was then that they told us what we were being charged with and they put us into the separate jail cells, um, inside of, you know, this smallish town police station. Um, and then our parents were called and I guess that his parents uh, were called. Um, I didn't see them, but yeah, my mom came over and, um, and she, was yeah was upset and worried and I was terrified obviously and yeah um and they had arranged to get free legal aid uh the next day but and I, for the rest of the day and that night they kept me in the jail cell and then the next morning uh they came in and said that they had new evidence that it uh, was not me and that I was free to go and they called my mum and she came to pick me up and that was it there was never was there like an apology was there anything that happened after this yeah there was nothing else from the police when i got back to school then did you have a rep reputation as being like the crazy stabber guy now yeah well i mean yeah like in my school um if you were a stabber then that was you know uh respect so when i first got back then it seemed like i mean people were taking notice of me finally but um, but then it came out that I had done nothing and was just uh, a uh, a blonde-haired and blue-eyed boy. And then they soon forgot about me again. You were you were a stabber imposter. Right. But um, it was pretty weird to go back to school um, like on that first day. I mean, like, like the whole couple of days were pretty crazy. When you lost your when you lost your street cred, when they found out that you didn't stab anybody, did you consider maybe going down to the to the fountain to stab someone? <laughs> right. Um, I had a glimpse of what was possible, of what notoriety would do for my image. I could have been king of the town, but no. You missed it. You missed your window. Yes. Um, I did not stab anybody then, and I have not stabbed anybody since. So what did you do in that jail cell uh, all night? Did you, did you sleep that night? You said you were terrified. Did you just stay awake the entire night? <clears throat> um, I think I slept for a bit. Yeah. I mean, I can't really... I remember. I mean, the answer is that I did nothing, but yeah, it's hard to remember what all that time was from all those years ago. 
Like I just had like no, no like context for for what was happening beyond um, having seen this on TV. Yeah, uh, I think this story is false. You think it's false? Yeah, it's just false. Uh, do you know what clued me? <laughs> clued me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm guessing it's just your interpretation of my character. Uh, <clears throat> there's that. There's that. There's also the part where you. <laughs> Well, you couldn't get your age straight. <laughs> that was a big clue for me. Uh, I also felt like initially, I felt like if you had ever been arrested and held overnight, I feel like that's a story I would have heard about. Uh-huh. Uh, I also feel, and I don't know enough about, you know, small town uh, law, but I feel like they wouldn't just hold an 11 year old overnight without any kind of proof. Um, also, couldn't couldn't the uh, victim come and like look at you guys and ID you guys and maybe... It just didn't seem very plausible to me, aside from the fact that you couldn't keep your story straight. Well, the, there is a grain of truth on this. Which is that you did stab somebody. It's the, <laughs> um, I did stab somebody uh, when I was 11 <laughs> and 13. Yeah. And um, I just completely got away with it. And that's why I now live in the U.S. Sweet. They'll never get me. Oh. The, the age thing was actually a real mistake uh, from this thing that was uh, that has a grain of truth. So that was unfortunate. <laughs> the real story is that when I was 11 in the first year of secondary school, and not 13, as I said in my original statement, uh, we did have a year-wide assembly, and the police did come in at the end. Oh. And, I mean, they did single out every boy who had blonde hair and blue eyes. But you didn't get selected to go down to the police station. Yes, I did. Was this for, was this because of a stabbing? Yes. Oh, interesting. So yeah, like the reason was that um, like an eleven year old boy had stabbed somebody. Um, he'd stabbed a woman in the town center. Um, again, like um, a non fatal stabbing, I believe. Yeah. And they had caught him. Um, and as you said, like the next step was then to do um, a lineup. Right. Um, and they needed some other eleven year old boys that looked like him to be in the lineup. Oh, got it. And then, yeah. And they told us all that we were going to do this and we would be paid like five pounds maybe, which uh, was a small amount of money, but it felt big for 11-year-olds. Yeah. And we were not taken out of school um, at that point, obviously, but we were given um, instructions to go to the police station. I think it was that evening. And I remember getting home and telling my mom and like she was worried about it because it was weird mm -hmm. um yeah and then i went along to the other uh, police station and we all had to stand behind like some one-way glass right and i have um, like a distinct memory because obviously everybody uh, who was there knew who it was because it was the one kid not from our school i'll bet whoever got whoever got stuck right next to that kid was probably a little scared <laughs> yeah yeah um it was not me i was stood like a few places down from him that would be great if when, if when they brought you all into the room, everyone like fanned away from that kid. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, it seems like it seems very hard to get um, a group of 11 year old boys to line up and be like cool enough that they would not indicate the one like yeah. the stabber. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, then like I remember afterwards, like after we finished uh, that one of the other boys from my school said like uh, that this suspect's. I was just laughing the entire time. Under his breath, he could hear him, you know, like being cheeky. That's kind of scary. And then 
I remember this kid was killed. By the old woman who he stabs? I, no. I can imagine it was just another boy. Oh, it wasn't. I thought it might have been a, a revenge killing. Yeah, like he was killed. He was stabbed himself. He was murdered. Oh, my goodness. And then I remember like, the front page of the local newspaper was just full of stories about like how great he was. And I guess like most eulogies or like stories about uh, the recently deceased only paints a good picture of them. Of course, yeah. But yeah, but it was just, you know, what a wonderful person he was. Um, but I knew that he had stabbed somebody. I mean, it may be that, that that stabbing was just the one moment in time when he made a big mistake. Right. Yeah. So unfortunate that I bumbled the age. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because I was, and I was mistaken. This morning when I was writing down my potential stories uh-huh. on the bus, on my phone, uh-huh. as I came into my office. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, yeah. Then I just put down the wrong age in my statement. You really fucked that up. Yeah, like, did you think that uh, that there was a grain of truth in it? Um, or did you, um, or did you feel like the entire thing was made up? No, it definitely all seemed like a lie. Yeah. Well, I kind of won. Let's give me half a point. <laughs> sounds good. <laughs> uh, sounds good. Um, that's interesting that you write your stories down hours beforehand on the bus, whereas I keep an actual document. Let's not call it a document. Okay, we can call it, what do, we, what do you want to call it? A Gmail draft. Okay, that sounds good. Um, but it makes it sound, to me, it sounds like you're just scrambling at the last second to come up with things, whereas I've put a lot of time and thought into this. No, like I have a list of things that I have made and I add to, but then I guess a couple of hours before, then I will pull the one from the list that I'm going to use and just spend some time thinking about the story to make sure I get all of my facts correct, like the age I was. Sure. So you can really iron out the details. (laughs) Right. I mean, it's those tiny points that the other person will catch you on. Yeah, totally. So, yeah. I mean, I definitely had to make sure that I got the age that I was. And the age that you would eventually be. Right. (laughs) Uh, Lined up with the age range of the school that I was at. Yeah. um, And the year that I was in at that school. Right. And the fact that there's a fountain in the town center. Right. A big bubbling fountain. Um, Okay. Should we do my story? Uh, No. Okay, sounds good. Take care. Bye. Bye. <laughs> okay, uh, my story. Here we go. I mean, I guess if you did not do your story, then it would technically be a draw, which would be great for me. Yeah, you're a winner no matter what, Russell. Okay, I'm sorry for interrupting you. Okay, uh, here's my story. I once saw a man chop up multiple human bodies and feed them to vultures. Okay. What age were you? What grades were you in at school? <laughs> and what was the age range of the school that you were in? Go. Uh, sure. I was, uh, <laughs> I was 18. The age range of the school was uh, 12 to 16. Uh, oh, wait, that can't be right. No, this was, this was a number of years ago. I was out of school already. Okay. Well, that seems to hold up. Um, you saw a man chop up human bodies, you said? Yes. Were they real human bodies or were they artificial bodies? They were real. They were deceased. They were corpses. They were deceased people. A man shop up. I'm just looking for the seams in the story where this could be real. <laughs> <laughs> you, um, were you playing a video game? Were you watching a movie? <laughs> no, no, no. This was in real life. I was looking, uh, I was looking at the man. He was away. He was like, uh, how far away? I don't know how far away. <laughs> he was like, I'm not good at judging distances. He was 
He was far enough away that he wasn't close. He was to 11 him. or 13 feet away. <laughs> yeah, 11 or th- well, meters because he's British, but yeah. The man was British? <laughs> no, he was not British. Okay. Where was this? This was in China. In China. You were 18. No, no, no. I, I said this was a few years ago. Okay. Uh, this was a few years ago. So you're in your early 50s, let's say. In my early 50s, yeah. In China. And you saw a man who was chopping up actual human bodies that had died. And it was not a movie, a video game, a theater production. <laughs> it, was, it was actual <laughs> life. Yes. And he saw you. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. We didn't, <laughs> we didn't, <laughs> we didn't make eye contact. Uh, Why would you want to? <laughs> My main aim in that situation would be to not make eye contact with the chopper. <laughs> Which is fair. Yeah, pretty fair. Uh, no, he was, uh, there are a number of people watching him. I was not the only one. Do you want me to des- describe this in more detail so you have fewer questions to ask? I mean, I think the whole point of this is that we ask questions and not just expect the other person to go on a long ramble until they mess up, which is your approach. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Sure. Um, Yeah, I, uh, was this his job? Uh, I believe it was his job. It may have been a volunteer position, um, but it was like he was the guy who was to do this. Was this, was this legal or illegal within the... Local law. It, it appeared to be very legal. Was it like cockfighting where like it should be banned, but in some places it isn't? No, no, no. This was, uh, this was, I'll explain a little bit. This is part of a, uh, um, what's the right term to describe it? Uh, it was part of a ritual. It was part of a, a ritual uh, for the deceased. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there's, there is, um, I mean, cultural thing where, the culture approves of and wants their recently deceased loved ones to be chopped up. Yeah, do you remember the, the don't forget they, they are, they're also fed to vultures at the end. Oh, I had completely I had completely blanked that from my memory. Yeah. Uh yeah, that makes it much worse. Yeah. Um wait, were these were these people who were deemed to be good people and loved, or were they some kind of criminals and this was was this a punishment or a uh a sacred ritual? No, this is a sacred ritual. Well, can you tell me about the sacred ritual? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's pretty much as it described. Uh, the people are, are, the bodies are taken, they're cut up, uh, they're chopped up into pieces, and then <clears throat> the vultures come, the vultures know that this is happening, so they all sort of descend on the area, and then they wait until the guy's done chopping them up, and then the vultures swarm and eat, eat the uh, bodies. Why do they wait? There are people that like sort of keep them at bay. They sort of like stand there so the vultures don't come and eat the bodies. Mm-hmm. Right. So there are more people than just the the chopper. Yeah, there's the chopper. And then there are the vulture handlers. Then there are presumably some family members standing by. And then there's also people like me who are just coming, coming to see what's happening. Right. Um, how many people were there, there who were like you? Yeah, I, w- I would say I was the only, other than my wife, I was the only American. Um, everyone else was uh, like a Chinese tourist. And so it's popular for this to happen and it's popular for people to go and watch it? It is. I mean, in this popular, I don't know about popular, it's, it's keep in mind that China is a really big place with a lot of different cultures in it. Mm-hmm. So uh, this is in Western China, this is just like uh, for the Tibetan people, I think this is, this is what they do. And I'm not the best person to speak to this because I don't, 
know enough about the about the culture. And how did this make you feel? And so how did I feel? It was uh, a little bit weird and gross, but you know. Why did you want to go? Uh, I was in the neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> it was going to be happening. Uh, and I thought, you know, that's the thing. It's called like a, I think it's called like a Tibetan sky burial. I think it's called. Mm -hmm. And you know, they don't have those in the U.S. When else would I get to see it? <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess that's a good of a reason as anything. Yeah. And how did you and your wife feel afterwards? I mean, fine. It's not, you're not, you're not standing 10 feet away. You're, you're, there's a little bit of a distance between you and the corpses. So you're not getting like a really graphic depiction of it. You're sort of off to the side. Do you know what the culture believes is happening? No, not really. <laughs> you, uh, <laughs> this you wasn't really? an educational tour. <laughs> it was just an experiential tour. You were just there for uh, the visuals and the smell, not, yeah. To, yeah. not to learn anything. Yeah. Uh, did you take along a big foam hand and a, um, a baseball cap with other two beer holders? I did. And then I felt kind of out of place because I was the only one who showed up with that. Right. Um, and so then was, yeah. The uh, the baseball chance didn't go down well. Not at all. No. Um, I feel like there is a a, a cultural uh, a xenophobic trap that you have set out for me. <laughs> <laughs> like my assumption of this is not that. Well, I believe that you would have gone to this if it had been happening and you were in the area. Right. Because who wouldn't? Who wouldn't? And Johnny would. So, right. So now my thinking is not, is not just about if you would go and do this. It's, it's about like, is this thing a real thing? Right. Which is where you've, uh, you've backed me into a corner that is not my own house. <laughs> but the way that you described it, even without any meaningful details. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird. It's weird they don't have many details, isn't it? Right. It did sound true. <clears throat> um, I think that you went to a thing that was like this, but it was not human bodies. It was some form of processing something, some meat, but it was not humans. I'm going to say this is false. The story is true. Uh, it's, it's really far. It's right on the border of Tibet. Uh, it is um, really, really rural area. It's not easy to get to. Um, and I don't know how widely this is done. I don't know how much. I don't know if this is a remnant of a thing that, that they used to do more frequently. I don't really know enough about it. So it's not something that you're going to see very often or very easily. You have to really, I think, go far to get there. And yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty weird. The bodies, I thought they would have been... The guy that chopping up had to like turn them over, and then you see like I saw like an arm like flip over by itself and stuff. I was I was expecting them to be more. Uh, what's the term when a body hardens when it's been dead for a while? Rigor mortis. Rigor mortis. Thank you. Yeah, uh, but they seem fairly limp, so maybe they were maybe that body at least was was new. Wow. Um, and this is all on a hillside, and then there was uh, the vultures knew that it was time. They all came and they landed on the hillside. The vultures were enormous. Uh, and I counted them. I think there were like 200 of them. Yeah, it was pretty, pretty wild, pretty wild thing to see. Uh, did it feel like a, a cathartic process? Like what was the crowd's reactions? Uh, mostly just staring, I think. Um, I think it's cathartic for the, the families who were there. I think, and this is, this is a detail that I might have totally wrong. Um, 
But I think I think there's a part where they take like a collarbone or part of the shoulder out of the corpse and they give that to the family and the family keeps that for some reason they do something with it. But I imagine for them it's very cathartic because for them the body is just a vessel for them. It doesn't it's meaningless, right? So uh and I think that the way this used to happen is that they didn't it wasn't such an organized thing where the vultures would come and sit and wait. I think it was a more I don't know how to describe it really, like a more naturally occurring thing. I don't really know. Um or maybe they maybe they used to throw pieces up into the air. I'm not sure. Please just carry on speculating wildly. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I'm, I'm not just making up. The, I, th- I feel like I heard that somewhere. Are the birds, are the vultures, and I guess a spiritual embodiment of the lost, the lost people? I don't think so. No, I mean they're, I they're just just birds. I mean, they're literally made of friends and family now. They are. That's true. Yeah, there's a whole community inside them. Um, well, I will thank you for uh, for sharing your. Your stories from around the globe. Uh, you're welcome. Thank you for thinking that I'm a liar. I mean, as I said, if it did exist and you were there, then I then I did believe that you would have gone. Yeah. So again, I think that's half a point to me. So, <laughs> so <laughs> you definitely, when you said that you thought the story was false uh, and it was true, you definitely were correct. Right. So half a point plus half a point is one to your zero. Uh, yeah. Another victory to me. Yeah. <laughs> It's really, I think you're undefeated at this point. It's pretty impressive. Yeah, just week after week. I mean, you have continued your run of only telling true stories. I think that that's true for recently, but again, I can't remember the first stories that we did initially. I don't remember if any of those were the lies or not. Yeah, I think that may have been a lie, but those are strictly non-canon. So Correct, yes. We should not even speak of them. They're in the uh, expanded universe. Right, okay. I think we've we've hit the mark. What mark is that exactly? The mark of when it feels like we have made enough content to make a podcast. <laughs> to have to stop talking to each other? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> okay. Okay. Um, well, until next time. Until next time. Goodbye, John. Goodbye. Love you.
not touching it. 